So I'm a part of the single greatest dynasty fantasy football league in the world, possibly the Galaxy. I haven't explored enough yet to confirm nor deny that. The Go Fade Me Dynasty League is the greatest dynasty league in existence, despite it only being in existence for five or six years. However, I need to start making some moves. If I want to be the GOAT of the GOAT leagues, I need another ring. Now, I won this league, I think, three years ago. Scott won it last year. I think Yannick won it the year before that. Yeah. So three years ago, I want to get back to the top. I want to get back to the top bad. And my team badly needed to make some moves this offseason to make sure that we can compete again. So that's what I did. Over the last week, I have made three trades in the Go Fade Me Dynasty League that have helped reinvent the team a little bit. You know, we've got our swagger back. We've got it bike and I want to go through those three trades some of them were rookie draft picks some of them were future rookie draft picks some of them were veterans this is a super flex league we had a quarterback on the move so I want to talk through my process of looking at my team seeing where my weak points were how do we attack these trades what I'm thinking through the trading process my initial offers the counters that came in all that just a very holistic viewpoint of three trades that I made to help rebuild my team over the last three weeks if you guys enjoy these types of episodes let me know we could do more like this i try to trade as much as i can in dynasty sometimes i go through low points where i'm not making moves and then all of a sudden I'm like let me make 17 moves in a row uh yeah so if you enjoy obviously subscribe to the channel hit the button that looks like this but most importantly most importantly if i can get you to do one call to action if i can get you to do one single thing before this video starts is to tuck your shirt in All right, so let's take a look at the team to give you context of what I'm working with here. And this was the final roster in the last game of the season last year. So scoring settings, this is just a, a super flex league. Nothing really crazy outside of just the super flex setting, right? Not tight end premium. Uh, it's half PPR. There's, I think, 28 roster spots, two IR, four taxi squad spots. The biggest issue for me was my lack of quarterback depth. I had Kirk Cousins. I had Matt Ryan, which were the two QBs that I actually, I think, rode to the championship. Maybe Cam Newton as well. You know, we're still holding on for hope. But it was like Jacoby Brissett. So I was kind of like piecing and mixing and matching different quarterbacks to get into my super flex spot. Obviously, that became problematic at the end. Richie James was literally the last guy in my super flex spot for last year. The strong point of my team was Austin Eckler, was Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. So we're talking about the running backs, right? Those are the guys who would lead me to the championship, obviously. Now, over the last few years, C-Mac's dealt with a lot of injuries. Eckler's dealt with some injuries. So it's been like, uh, it's been tough leaning on those dudes because they haven't showed up for the last few years. So after the championship run, I've dealt with a lot of, you know, gaps in the lineup where my team is extremely top heavy, right? Like I don't have a lot of depth here. I don't have a lot of good players on the bench. I don't have players behind them. So I need my studs to perform at a stud level. And they just haven't done that in recent years. So I'm like, all right, I need to reinvent this team. Do we, do we go more youthful? You know, do we just continue to to pound the power of the team and, and add to the running back group and just hope that these guys all click at the same time. I have Tyreek Hill, obviously, who's been a, a massive difference maker, but behind him at wide receiver, we're dealing with Michael Pittman, Cortland Sutton, Michael Gallup, MVS, Tyquan Thornton, a bunch of absolute shit. And then at tight end, I'm also dealing with shit. We have Austin Hooper, we have Zach Ertz, we have Trey McBride, we have Albert O. So the team's just not good. The team is not good. I have like three, four, five pieces that are awesome. Eckler, C-Mac, Tyree Kill. And then the rest of the team 
you know, I need them to step up if I want to get anywhere near, you know, a top four, five, six seed sneak into the playoffs. Going into the offseason, these were my picks. I also have Sam Howell on the taxi squad, which I'll be you know, obviously talking about in a little bit because he will be, you know, a quarterback for me in 2023. I have my first round pick. I have my second round pick. I ended up finishing in, uh, my, my pick was the 105. So eighth place, seventh, eighth place, I think. 12, 11, 10, 9, 8. Yeah, eighth place. So I had the 105 this year. So the picks going into the offseason, I had my 105, my 205, and my 305. I also had two additional thirds and one additional fourth. So I'm going into the rookie draft with seven picks. Now, I've been pretty vocal. I'm not a huge fan of this class overall, right? So I'm okay. I, it's a really hard for Dynasty players to give up rookie picks right now because they very often over romanticize and I get it right like fantasy football is supposed to be fun making the draft picks is fun being on the clock is fun waiting for your pick to happen is very fun it's one of the fun parts about dynasty and rookie drafts and the and, and the game that we play in general so moving off these picks can be difficult but if you play dynasty in a logical sense and I say something like I don't really like this year's draft class I'm okay moving these picks and you operate that way your team will be much better off because of it so I'm sitting at the 105 I need a quarterback bad, right? Again, I have Kirk Cousins, I have Matt Ryan, I have fucking Jacoby Brissett, and I have Sam Howell. So I have Kirk Cousins and then probably the starting Washington quarterback, whoever it is there between Brissett and Howell. Obviously, we need to upgrade there. Sitting at the 105 probably leaves you on the outskirts of that first tier of QBs, right? Like B. John Robinson is going to go 101, and then most likely because quarterbacks are super coveted in these super flex leagues, we're going to see Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud go off from the 102 to the 104 in some kind of order. Was there an off chance that one of them fell to me at 105? Yes, but I don't think it was worth taking the chance when I had a trade offer like this on the board for me to move to multiple picks and kind of see what I could do to rebuild the team overall. Now, I'm not someone who strips down the team. I'm not someone who's trying to like rebuild and pay the next three years of buy-ins just on the off chance that I could rebuild back up a good team. I, I didn't. I had no desire to. I want to compete in this fucking league every single year. The one I want. The year I won the championship. I'm pretty sure I was either the fifth or sixth seed. My team was not the best team in the league whatsoever. I just kind of scraped by, got to the championship, played against Scott. Congrats, Scott. He had a dominant team, and I just got lucky. because Playoffs are one game. One game series. This is the point I keep making when people are like, don't take Bijan 101 because if you're at the 101, you're probably in such a thick rebuild anyways that it's going to take you years. It's like, nah, dudes like Bijan Robinson. My team was literally built off the backs of elite running backs in C-Mac and Eckler and those guys. You're one piece away a lot of the times from getting into that sixth seed. You just need to be the sixth seed. You just need to be in the top half. You don't need to be the one or two seed to win the championship. Scott is the number one seed basically every year in this league, and he's only won it once. His team's unbelievable if I showed it to you. But regardless, the point being, you take the best player available. Bijan, to me, is that best player at 101 because he gets you into the sixth seed. And then the second half of the year, anything can happen. Anything does happen. Everything and anything always happens. That's dynasty for you, okay? So I'm sitting there at the 105, and I'm fucking fired up today. I'm fired up. I love making trades. We love it. We don't want to win championships. We want to win trades. All right, so I got an offer on the board, my 105, okay? Like, sure, I would love to have JSN. I would love to have Jameer Gibbs on the team, but Vatch sends me his first next year, his second next year, and the 208 this year. Now, the first thing you obviously want to do when someone sends you a future pick, okay? You want to look at their roster. You want to see if I'm looking at Scott, if Scott has sent me this and it's his first for next year, I'm looking at his team and you want to be practical as well. I don't always like to be like, you're going to be the 101, you're going to be the 112 because you never know what actually happens throughout the course of the year. I usually like to look at it in like a three draft spot. 
So I'd look at Scott's team and I'd say, okay, at best, this is the 110. Most likely the 111, you know, he'll get to the championship game, maybe has an unlucky week, and that's the 111 or the 112. So I'd look at that and say, hmm, is my 105 worth next year's 111, 112? Probably not. But I look at Vatch's team, and he's in the middle of a rebuild. His team is absolute fucking shit. However, I know my league. And I know that there are a bunch of fucking cowards in this league right now that are actively rebuilding. And not even actively rebuilding, but actively tanking in order to rebuild. Which is a peasant move, which is a coward move, which Mika Codeine, all you dudes, peasants. Absolute peasants in my mind. Pathetic. But they're doing it, so I've got to play according to the rules, right? Don't hate the players, hate the game. I hate the players as well, but I also hate the game. So I know that these teams are far worse than Vatch's team. So at best, Vatch's team is likely going to have the 104, 105, 106, 107 in that range. I also look at his rookie picks for this year. He has he was the team that was tanking last year. He was the team that was rebuilding. He has the 101. He has the 102. He has like six first-round picks this year. So while his team has some good players and they have some building blocks, you start to add Bijan Robinson. If Anthony Richardson is the starter from day one, now you add a top 12, top 15 super flex quarterback to that roster on top of what he has already. So you're looking at a team that went from tanking to trying to get into the playoffs as the sixth seed. So when I look at his first round pick, I look at the roster, I look at the makeup of the league, where do I think he probably finishes, okay? And to myself, I say probably in the 105 to 107 range. So he's giving, I'm giving up the 105 this year. He's going to give me a future 105 to 107, 205 to 207, plus the 208 this year. So again, I'm not, had there been like a fourth starting quarterback that I was super obsessed with or, or or like Marvin Harrison Jr. was in this year's draft class or there was another workhorse running back like Bijan, probably not giving up that 105. But because I'm not, again, overly obsessed with Jameer Gibbs or JSN, I'm okay giving them up for three picks because, again, I need depth. I need some youth. I need to I need to make moves on this roster. So I make that move pretty easily there. And Vatch really wanted Jameer Gibbs. So boom, he, he gets to add Bijan and Jameer Gibbs. He's got the top two running backs, and he'll see what happens with his team. So I make that move, and now I've got two... 2024 first round picks I've got two 2024 second round picks actually I might have three of them got multiple thirds I got a ton of picks for next year while looking at my team and saying listen if things click right if C-Mac if Eckler if Kamara cannot be suspended but all of them stay healthy with Tyreek Hill Kirk Cousins Sam Howell if things click right like sure we're not going to be the best team in the league not by a stretch of the fucking of imagination but I can sneak into the sixth seed if my guys play at the top of their performance. Plus, I have a ton of picks for next year. So I hate, I, I will not tank, I will not strip my team ever. I will actively try to compete and rebuild at the same time. So trade number two comes in because we had an orphan in the league. Tony comes in, Tony Martin, baby. Tony, baby, took over this team. And I knew immediately my first order of business was to attack Jared Goff. I wanted Jared Goff badly because I need a QB2 slash QB3 on this team behind Kirk Cousins, and either ahead or on the same level of Sam Howell. And Jared Goff, honestly, could probably be the QB1 there. He's one of those guys that I think is one of the better discount buys in Dynasty right now at the QB position. Because I am starting to operate under the assumption that Jared Goff is going to be in the Lions' long-term plans. If you look at the moves that they've been making, if you look at the moves they haven't been making as well, I have I have a very, very strong feeling that he's going to get an extension soon, and he's going to be their starting quarterback for at least the next like three years. And that is easily equal to a first in Dynasty for me. And you look at the other guys, like I, I think he's in the tier 
of like the Derek Carrs, even the Kirk Cousins and stuff like that. But because there's this uncertainty of how the Detroit Lions are definitely moving on to a new quarterback soon, next year or whatever, they're not in the Caleb Williams fucking tankathon anymore. They're not even close to that. And the only thing they added was Hendon Hooker in the third round. That is so far from being like he's the bridge quarterback. He's the next guy. They didn't take Hendon Hooker in the top 10. If they take him in the top 10, then I'm thinking, okay, you know, they're going to ease him in and he'll be the guy of the future. Third round pick after they've made five, six picks in the draft already. Let's let's fucking hold the horses here. Let's do the math on Jared Goff, how good he played for them last year, how good of a part of the culture he is for the Detroit Lions, the moves that they're making and not making around him. And I think it adds up to Jared Goff being the guy there for the future. But because there's uncertainty around him, where there's not uncertainty around Derek Carr, who just got the extension with uh, the New Orleans Saints, you get Jared Goff for a little bit of a discount relative to those guys. And even looking at this trade, I might have, I probably not, but I might have made this move without Damian Pierce even in there. But the fact that he was added in, I love that shit. I think initially I offered him, as soon as he took over the team, I think I offered him two seconds for Jared Goff, kind of thinking he was not going to accept it, but then he countered with this one, and I was like, yep, let's get this fucking bread. And at this point, you know, those two picks that I just gave him for Goff and Pierce were picks that I got from the previous trade with Vats, where I gave up the 105 for his first, his second next year, and the 208. So I took the first and the second next year, which at this point I feel like I'm playing with house money, right? Because that's the, the plethora of picks. So I gave up those two, got Jared Goff and Damian Pierce. So up to this point through two trades, I have given up the 105. So basically I traded Jameer Gibbs for Jared Goff, Damian Pierce, and the 208 this year. And when you look at it that way, that's a fucking no-brainer, of course, for a team that needs flex depth, for a team that badly needed a QB2, and I also have the 208. So if I wanted to take a shot on like a younger tight end to rebuild the tight end room, I got Trey McBride last year. We'll see if he turns into anything. You know, I think the 208 is probably where you might be able it's not tight end premium, so they're not at a premium and they don't get drafted overly high in this league. So I think I could land a, you know, a Sam Laporta, maybe a Michael Mayer. I won't get Kincaid there. And maybe those guys go a little bit earlier, but like worst case scenario, maybe it's like a Luke Musgrave. If I could take a chance on a guy that I don't love, but still probably worth investing into. And then the third trade I completed this morning, like an hour ago, two hours ago before I filmed this. Actually, no, you're watching this on Tuesday. So a couple uh, yesterday. But as soon as I made the trade, I was like, all right, I want to make a fucking video on this shit uh, and recap everything because there's a, there's a lot of moving parts here. And again, I'm just trying to practice what I preach, right? Because I'm getting rid of that 208. I'm getting rid of this year's picks, even though I just talked about how I can get a tight end for pieces that I think would help out my team more. So young Codeine puts Juju on the trade block. And I sent him over some shit off. I sent him over like a third and a fourth for Juju, thinking that maybe he just like he just wants to get rid of him. He's sick of his shit. Everyone's sick of Juju's shit. So I sent him third and fourth, and then he counters with this one. He counters with Juju and Vatch's next year third, which is probably again 305 to 307 for my 208 this year. Now Juju as the player, right? Don't love him by any means whatsoever. Um, he is what he is at this point, but man, the Patriots have absolutely nothing on that roster and they gave him money to replace Jacoby Myers. Like they could have just re-signed Myers who had been such an integral part of their offense. And they said, nah, we'll let Myers walk and we will take Juju and just fill that gap in Juju. I mean, you look at his success rate in reception perception, Matt Harmon's work, just so bad versus man. And this has been his consistent performance year over year over year, even back when he was putting up 1,500 yards. So bad, but he's so good versus zone. And then I'm looking at, I don't know, player profile. Or I, you know, I wanted to deep dive and be like, let me get an actual consensus of how I feel about Juju before I actually trade for this guy. If I think he's going to be like a wide receiver five, I'm not going to make that move. But I was looking at other resources, as I tend to do. I look at player profiler, route win rate, number nine in the NFL last year. 
Win rate versus man, number 11 in the NFL last year. I'm like, you know what? I I don't know. I'm just looking at Juju. I'm looking at the Patriots roster. They have like Devontae Parker, Tyquan Thornton. I, I just don't see a world where Juju doesn't get like 110 targets this year. I, I think we might see a bit of a resurgence. I don't think the ceiling is there. I don't think like, I don't know what we're going to see from Juju, but I do feel like he's young enough where he's just 26 years old still. So to swap a second for a third in Juju, I felt like was a no-brainer and an easy smash for me, especially on a team where... I need wide receiver depth. Again, like after Tyreek, it's Michael Pittman, Cortland Sutton, MVS, Taekwon Thornton, Russell Gage, Michael Gallup, and I'm, I'm like embarrassed to continue going further down that list. But Juju slots in there as like one of my top five receivers on this dynasty team. And I think there will just be times throughout the year where I'm okay slotting him in as one of my flex guys. So that trade felt pretty easy for me to make right there. So those were the three trades I made. Okay. And uh, before we get into the conclusion of the video, if you're trying to get into Dynasty Leagues, we are organizing them for you in our Discord. The Discord is absolutely free to join for now. Once you get in there, there's a channel for joining a BDG League. They're all $100 buy-in leagues. They're all Dynasty Leagues that we set up for you guys. We organize it. We get 12 of y'all together. We help you kind of sift through the process of you know getting the league started and drafting so that you can be in a league with people that are passionate about this sheesh because it's hard to find that with just like your friends in your home league and shit. So go join the Discord link down below, one of the first links down there. So to conclude, at the end of these three trades, when you do all the math, when you put it into the TI-84 and you spit out what we did here, we moved the 105. There are a lot of moving parts, but at the end of the day, we moved the 105 for Jared Goff, Damian Pierce, Juju Smith-Schuster, and a 2024 third. And again, when you substitute who the 105 is, it just looks that much juicier. It's just like Jameer Gibbs straight up for Pierce, Jared Goff, Superflex, Juju, and a 2024 third. We take that deal 10 times out of 10, okay? So takeaways here. Do not be afraid to move rookie picks. I know that they're exciting, but use them for what they are. They, they are an asset that very rarely loses value, and I would say that they typically have more value than they should because people play emotionally. People do not play dynasty logically, okay? They want to feel that high. They want to be on the clock in rookie drafts. They want to trade just for the sake of trading, okay? So rookie picks can usually get a premium value added onto them, okay? Takeaway number two is make sure that you understand the environment of your league in which you are trading. If you're trading for future picks, understand or get a grasp, uh, you know, whether it's a three, four, draft spot of what that trade is likely going to be. Is it going to be an early? Is it going to be a mid? Is it going to be a late? Look at the other teams, right? Do we have three teams tanking? Do we have fucking cowards in our league tanking for those top spots, which mean even if you're a bad team, it's going to end up being the 105, 106, 107, right? So keep your head on a swivel, understand the league settings, and then also understand like how players are drafted in your league. Like I said, with the 208, maybe I get the tight end, maybe I don't get the tight end. I know QBs are obviously extremely valuable in this league because it's super flex, and I just know this league and everyone fucking loves quarterbacks. So understanding the environment that you're in when you're making these trades is very, very important, okay? It's also important for you to enjoy the rest of your fucking day, but keep your shirts tucked in. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, once we have the rookie draft, I still think I have the 205 and a couple third round picks in this league, maybe. I'll do a recap of all of my rookie drafts basically in one video. I did that for you guys last year and you really, really liked it. So we'll do that again. This rookie draft, we're still waiting on a couple of these fucking assholes to pay their buy-in for next year. And then once we do that, we'll have the rookie draft. I think it's going to be Sunday. So maybe I'll make the video for Tuesday. Uh, that's it. All right. I'm out of here. I love you. Thank <laughs> you.